Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we read the Bible in one year. So we can uh, just take a little bit every single day to fill up our soul, fill up our mind and our spirit, and learn something pretty awesome. So today we actually read the entire book of Ruth. We do Psalms 119, 89 through 176. That's basically the second half of the longest chapter in the Bible. And then we do Romans 3. So I'm going to start with Romans because that's actually where I'm already at. This is where Paul is in Rome and he's teaching to the people, the Roman people, about the good news. And when we are reading the first books of the Bible, um, I mean the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was the Gospels. And that's the it's like basically the, the story of Jesus and his ministry. And then we went to Acts where it was really talking about the Holy Spirit working through and developing the new church. And now we're going into Romans where Paul is talking a lot more theological, philosophical. And I don't know if the Romans were just really intelligent and that's why he's um, talking so technical, um, but he's also a little bit more careful. I mean, it's just what I'm experiencing, and I'm only on chapter three. But, but in the book of Romans, it's where he's going to talk about salvation through grace in faith. Um, that salvation is by believing and having faith. And only through Jesus' death on the cross do we, are we saved. And then the Holy Spirit works in our lives. So that's going to be his whole message in the book of Romans. So I'm not going to be able to, it's not very chronological anymore. It's not like a story where I can just tell you a story. So it's really going to be, I'm just going to pick pieces out. And then I highly, highly, highly suggest that you go back and read on your own so that you can get the full effect. Remember, we're really talking about understanding the Bible in a full picture. That's why it's so important that you go back and read everything line by line. And then when you're done with it this year, you can read it again or, and then find new things, which I'm definitely doing, or um, you can study different pieces next year when you're done reading it, but at least you'll have the big picture and the big concept. So here we are where Paul is still talking to the Romans, and um, now he's going to explain to them that the Jews and the Gentiles, they're pretty much the same now that Jesus has died on the cross, that salvation is for both. Um so it says, what advantage then is there being a Jew or what value is there being, is there in circumcision? Which is again, symbolic of the covenant between the Jews and God himself. Um, but now he's referring to circumcision as a spiritual um, thing, as a, as a spiritual covenant. Much in every way, first of all, Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God um, what if someone faithful? Okay, so he goes into explaining, and then he's going to even read some Old Testament pieces. Um, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? So he's basically making comparisons. Remember, Paul's really good at, at um, influencing, arguing, and kind of helping people see. He doesn't just tell people, which he does tell people, but he also helps them understand on their own. So he's kind of making a comparison so that they can understand that the Jews and the Gentiles are basically the same when it comes to salvation. 
Um, moving down to ch- verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law of the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. That's so good. Paul, he's so smart. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works. No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith do we then nullify the law by his by this faith not at all rather we uphold the law so it's so cool and of course um you know as i was saying paul is so smart but of course the holy spirit is working through paul so god is literally giving these words to paul himself as he's giving this message um articulated so beautiful because god is putting it in um speaking through him. But it's awesome because when I was younger, I used to think, well, that's not really fair. How come we're all sinners when I didn't even do anything, which is so silly. But that's what I was thinking as a kid. I'm like, I didn't even do anything wrong. Why am I considered a sinner? Because in the churches, they really press upon that part that you're a sinner, you're a sinner. A lot, oftentimes they use that as a form of manipulation to try to control people. You're a sinner. So do these things X, Y, and Z. So that's not good either. What Paul's saying is it's already in our in our ancestors. And he's making a point here. This is what's so important is a lot of times people think um, you're just a sinner, so you're a bad person. No, he's saying it's in our nature. And and now that we're reading, we've just finished the book of Judges, we can say, yeah, they had sin nature in them. But if they didn't have sin nature, then there would be no point for Jesus to show up and die on the cross. Let that sink in for a second. They had a sin nature. If you didn't have sin, there would be no no reason to save. Um, and Jesus came to save the people. Yep, yep, yep. So we'll get into this more. But is so remember, I'm not going to be able to tell all the details of the Romans. It's of the book of Romans. It's really for you to go in and find what God is going to speak through it to you. That's the whole point of the Bible. I'm just picking out pieces because it's no longer chronological. It's not just a story, but he's really telling messages. And that's the same thing with the Psalms. It's not a story either. It's very poetic, it's philosophical, it's it's nurturing, and it's going to feed you and teach you and nurture you and comfort you in a different way depending on where you're at in your life. So, um, and that's the same thing with even these, this, the, chapter 119 of Psalms. It's the biggest chapter in the Bible, and there's no way I can cover it in great depth. But I just, if I could encourage you to go back and read it, that would be the best thing. 
Um, but I just like to pick out little pieces. And I just think it's cool the way it's broken up. If you ever wondered, why is it broken up this way? And, um, but now we know it's based on the Hebrew alphabet. Um, you're, okay, so here we are, 89. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. So good. And then we move down to 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teach teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders. And remember, this is an intimate prayer between someone and God himself um, versus saying, gosh, he was being arrogant. No, he's not boasting this to the people. He's having a relationship with God himself. It's a prayer um, or a poem or a song. Basically, it's from his heart. Moving down to 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteousness, righteous laws. <clears throat> Moving down to 113. I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Away from me, your, you evildoers, that I may keep the covenant of my God. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise, and I will live. Um, and then it just continues to do that all the way through. I love it when they say, I meditate on your promises. Um, that's on one, verse 148. One, verse 119, my zeal wears me out for my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been through, thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. Oh, did I miss one that I wanted to share? It is time for you to act, Lord. Your law is, bro is being broken. So he, this person, this psalmist, probably maybe David uh, or any, a psalmist, I don't know who writes this. Um, it is time for you to act, Lord, your laws being broken because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. And because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. So good. So good. Okay. Um, 163. I hate the detest falsehood, but I love your law. Someone is very, very passionate right now. There's, they're very zealous about, um, like they might've just had an encounter with God and they're just sharing their zeal. Um, okay. So we're moving on to Ruth, the story of Ruth. Now here we have a story of a woman named, um, Naomi. She had a husband, Al Elimelech, and he died, left her two sons. Those two sons married or. Orpah and Ruth, those two sons died. Of course, Naomi was devastated and she's going to go back to her land because there was a famine in her land of Bethlehem. So her husband, Elimelech, and the two sons went to Moab. Um, and there they married, the two sons married not Israelites, but Moabites. So they were not of the same bloodline because they had gone to a different land. But now that these, the men had died, the two sons and the father, they were, Naomi decides to go back to her people of Bethlehem. But she's older now. And typically it's, called, it's, it's, tradition, it's the law or tradition or something, culture, that the daughter-in-laws stay with the mother-in-law versus going back home. But the mother-in-law... Naomi tells her two daughter-in-laws, who she loves, go back to your homes. And she's urging and urging and urging them. And Orpah did go back to her home, but 
Ruth says, no, I'm faithful to you. I'm going to, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And I'm going to stay with you. So she has a very good heart. She's going to stay and take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. So they go back to Bethlehem, but they don't have much. They have the land of their inheritance, which belongs to her husband, Elimelech. Um, But they don't have a lot of provisions, a lot of food or whatever. So Naomi tells Ruth to go into the fields and just like pick up the scraps, pick up the leftovers so we have food to eat and see if the owner of the field shows favor on you. Coincidentally, she goes to the property of Boaz, who is a relative of Elimelech, the, the husband of Naomi who died. In those customs, if a man died, their nearest relative was supposed to marry them and take care of them. And then they could inherit the land. Well, the next person in line, so Boaz was definitely in line, but he wasn't the next person in line. Well, when he saw Ruth, he did um, find favor in her and he helped her. He told his um, the people that worked in the field, leave her extra. Don't harm her. Just leave her extra because she's been so good to her daughter-in-law, Naomi. Well, Naomi decides, okay, you need to present yourself to Boaz as a possible suitor, as a possible husband. So she does that and Boaz says, okay, I, I will marry you, but I need to first see if the next person as your guardian redeemer, if he is going to marry you. And so Boaz goes to that person. That person says, no, I don't really want to take Naomi and Ruth, but he did want the land. He just didn't want the two ladies. So Boaz married, is next in line. So he gets the land that belonged to Elimelech, and he also gets Ruth and Naomi. He marries Ruth and they have a son. And this is important. I hope you understand that this is actually important. It seems like a random story of somebody's life, but nope, it's super important. And what's also interesting is this is a life of somebody during the book, during the time of Judges. So as we just finished the book of Judges, it seemed like everybody was corrupt. Everything was evil. It was horrible, horrible. But then you hear a story like this, so sweet. Because so much love, so much kindness. Yes, even in evilness, even in corruption, there are good people who are trying to live good lives. Very similar today because there's a lot of evil and corruption going on. I mean, serious evil amongst the, I was going to say the overlords. What else can I call them? You know, the powers that be, let's say. There's so much corruption, so much evil, but yet there's good people And that's what this is showing, that even in the time of Judges, there were good people like Boaz, people trying to live their life. Now, why is this important? Because Ruth is not an Israelite. She's not of that bloodline. She's a foreigner. But Boaz is of the real bloodline, the Israelite bloodline. Why is that important? Because Naomi, I mean, Ruth has a son, and his name is Obed. And Obed has a fa- us, is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of King David, David himself. So King David is from the bloodline of an Israelite and a foreign woman. Isn't that crazy pants? Oh my goodness. Okay, so all these Jews that act like they're so righteous because of their Jewish blood, really, if they're from King David, 
it's a mixed blood. So that is the book of Ruth. Super cool, right? It's kind of long. <laughs> um, I mean, wrong, long to be reading it in one day. So I hope you enjoyed this one. It was the book of Ruth, Psalms 119, finished the second half, which is the longest book of the Bible, and Romans 3. So much today. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Have a great day.